The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living. Michael Murdad is back to the Authentic Living Show for the third time to talk to us about today about his latest book, Healing the Heart and Soul, a five-step soul-level healing process for transforming your life. Best-selling author of Seven Initiations of the Spiritual Path, Sacred Sexuality, A Manual for Living Bliss, and You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up. Michael is also a world-renowned spiritual teacher, healer, and counselor who has facilitated thousands of classes, lectures, and workshops throughout the world on mastery, spirituality, relationships, and healing. He's suitably named the teacher's teacher and the healer's healer due to his ability to share the deepest teachings in a clear, applicable manner. From Michael, you can expect to learn all about how to move from dark nights of the soul to a new life, all about how to transform, all about how to heal. And so we're going to be talking to him today about that and and his latest book, Healing the Heart and Soul. Welcome, Michael, to the Authentic Living Show. Thank you so much for having me back on. Oh, you're so welcome. I enjoy talking to you, and I'm sure our listeners benefit as well. So let's talk about your book. Uh, first, when you talk about soul-level healing, what do you mean? Everybody's got a different def- definition of the soul, and everybody's got a different definition of the soul level. So what do you mean when you talk about soul-level healing? Well, probably the easiest definition would be to imagine, as, as we so often hear about the, the sacred number three, you know, the Trinity and such. Think, think of yourself as having three parts, a divine part, which we'll call your spirit, a human part, and in between those two, there's the soul. So essentially, and really the, the, the deepest thought systems would, would agree and, and <clears throat> you know, concur on this because it's, uh, it's fairly understood in, in most thought systems in the deepest level. Now, not everybody remembers this simple reality, but these, we have three parts to us. There's, again, the, the spiritual part is fine, the, the, the divine, the spark of light or God or whatever in us is made in God's image, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's, that's our really our, the core of who we are in the spiritual sense. Therefore, that part is not sick, cannot be sick, cannot have prosperity issues or any other issues for that matter. That's our divinity. But that part is very rarely experienced, and if so, on planet Earth, um, very rarely experienced. And if so, it's, it's really done in, in bits and pieces, reflections here and there. But that divine part, is, is our core. That's the part we've come from and to which we will return. Not at death, but in our awakening, our complete awakening, our enlightenment, so to speak. The, um, the soul is the part of us that feels that it's separated from its divinity. <clears throat> it's the part that 
journeys, lifetime after lifetime, thinking that it's out there learning and growing and uh, acquiring knowledge and understanding about life and so forth. It's kind of ironic because it thinks it's separated from its perfection, but if we have perfection, we don't really need to go out and journey and do lifetimes and so forth. But it's, it's, a, it's an erroneous assumption that the soul has picked up once it believes that it needs to learn, once it believes it's separated from spirit. So innately, we have this, this innate spark of light, this God self, but the soul has, let's say, sparked away like it does from a fire, a bonfire, the spark that flies away. The soul has journeyed away, and the, the human life, the third part of our lives, our being, the third part of our is, is our, our, our life, our experience, intellectually, emotionally, physically. None of those are of themselves creative. They're the effect. They are not a creator. The creator is either God's spirit or our soul that is capable of co-creating, sub-creating, as, <laughs> sort of. But the humanness doesn't create anything. It's only the effect. I mean, you are, in your human life, your emotions don't actually do anything. You don't have an emotion that's, that's self-creative. You don't have sadness or happiness, neither of those, that just suddenly shows up and starts becoming a creator. These things are effects. We are emotionally as an, emotional as an effect of something else. Our thoughts come as an effect of something else. And our actions, our activities, our experiences, these are all effects. But they come from where? Well, people that are really, really dense, very material-oriented, they actually think the material world is all there is. They think that your human life, your thinking self, your, your experiential self is the one that it, it, it is the creator. It's all you are, they think. They don't realize there's a soul underneath it all. So the soul is sitting between the trinity of humanness, which is your physical, emotional, and intellectual self, and the trinity of spirit, you know, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or whatever vernacular you want to use for that. But the soul is sitting between those two trinities. And um, it's the soul that does what the scriptures call choosing whom you will serve, you know, God or man, a reality or illusion. So the soul is actually our new identity. We have our divine identity, and then we have our, our, our lesser, so to speak, identity, and that's the soul. And it journeys lifetime after lifetime. And whatever it decides, and it's always deciding a simple thing, you're either one with God or you're not. That's all it ever decides. It could take many different forms, but that's really all it's deciding is how much it wants to align with spirit and how much it wants to be in its ego self. It's connected God self or its separate ego self. And so when our souls are, you know, over time, our soul can get into this pattern of being ego-based, ego-centered, listening to the ego as a guide. Well, it's very simple because if if you listen to somebody that's misdirected and you're looking for directions and they say, well, you take this road, that road, the other road, and they're totally messed up where, with where they are, and they don't, they're not good at directions or clarity, you know, clarity or good communication, they're going to get you lost, and that's the ego. So when we ask the ego for guidance about who we are and what we want in our lives and who we should marry, it's very rash, it's very, um, um, it, it, it's, if decisions are all rooted in pain, uh, fear, and, and just rash behavior, you know, nothing well-grounded, nothing suited to, to your higher good. On the other hand, when we learn to be silent and we learn to pray more, meditate more, uh, create a greater humility and surrender attitude, then we're listening to spirit and it guides us, which obviously is going to take you the shortest route to the place of your highest good. 
So it, it, it's kind of like that. I use a lot of metaphors. They come up, you know, they just kind of come to me. But um, the metaphor of, of direction on the road, and one is God and one is the ego, and both of them are always present. Um, both of them are always present. Some, some people think, well, no, I don't have an ego. or I, They're always sitting there. But when you listen to the guidance that says, more or less, uh, this is summarizing it, when you listen to what would bring, when you ask yourself, what would bring the most love and peace and joy into this experience, which decision of mine today, or any decisions, would bring the most love and peace and joy to the most people in the long run, in the big picture? And if you would follow that as your guide, you would make almost always healthy, righteous decisions. If you asked yourself that question, you would have a greater determination about who to date. Um, you know, and everybody, if, if everybody, like your listeners right now, sit and just imagine themselves filled with a sense of peace. And let's use these words. Peace and self-worth. If folks would just sit for a second and call in the presence of peace and self-worth, and then they go so far as to even imagine feeling it, like, wow, you know, what would that feel like to feel and to be filled with peace and self-worth? And just kind of tune into that for a moment. Then say to yourself, if you really hold that energy, if you really are that peace and self-worth you just called in, are there people that you can remember in your past that you've dated you would not have dated if you were filled with peace and self-worth? Are there financial investments you've made that you would not have done, jobs you would have taken you would have not taken if you would have been filled with self-worth? You can, you can tell. Just centering in it right now, you can easily look back in your life and go, well, yeah, that, that would have made no sense to me. So if you can admit that from the past, then why can't we now do it for the present? Currently, if you're filled with love and peace, self-worth, there are current decisions you are making that aren't for your highest good, and a change needs to be made. It can't just be made on the outside. It has to be made at the deepest levels of the soul, which we'll talk about, I guess. But there are decisions you're making today, whomever's listening. You know, there are decisions we're making that aren't going to bring us peace, love. They don't resonate with peace, love, self-worth. And if we get it for today, then what about tomorrow? That means I've got to pay attention to what decisions I'm going to make, not only tomorrow, but influenced by today into tomorrow. It's time for me to start making only decisions from what videos I rent, what, how much I pay for a car, who I date, what I wear today. Every decision I make should come from only one thing, and that is God's presence in myself. And God's presence, that, that's, that's superstition, that's lofty, that's a little vague. So what we do is we make God's presence become a tangible experience for us all by saying God is synonymous with love and peace and joy. So anytime you want to know the right thing to do for yourself, follow love and peace and joy. Or as the, the great teacher said, follow your bliss, Joseph Campbell. You know, follow your bliss. Do only that which is aligned with bliss, with peace and joy. And, again, I said, not only just for yourself, for yourself, yes, for the most people, and I, and I always add this, in the big picture. If you can get yourself to follow an alignment of love and peace and joy for the greatest number of people in the big picture... Because um, I, I always add the big picture part, by the way, hon, because some people would say, well, I'm struggling, um, I'm, I'm thinking about, this is just an example, I'm thinking about getting a divorce, and, and yet it'll upset my kids, and Michael on this radio show is saying, we should um, only do what brings peace and joy, and this wouldn't bring peace and joy to my husband, my wife, my, my parents, my children. I, I didn't say that, I said in the big picture, they all might be upset for a day, a week, a month, even a year. But if in the big picture the greatest good of love and peace and joy 
is a divorce or is changing a job or is doing such and such, then sometimes we need to brave it and do it because the big picture, it does bring those things. Yeah, sometimes there's, there's casualties in the moment, particularly ourselves, because we're having to push through our own fears and issues when we make life-changing decisions. But the goal is the big picture, love, peace, and joy in the big picture. Absolutely. So the soul level healing, to summarize on, uh, and answer your question, the soul is the chooser inside of us. It's not the body, the humanness, that's, that's the effect. It's the chooser. If we could just learn, if we could just learn to allow God, which is spirit in us, to flow on down into our heart, which is where our soul resides, and allow, you know, spirit to be, it would then gravitate downward into our lives, and we would see the effects of, and so it is. We would, we would see the effect of, I am that I am, or let God's will be done, and so it is. We would see that effect, but in the chooser, our heart, we start to lose track of our true identity, and we stray, and we make misdirected decisions, and they bring misdirected results. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to talk some more about that when we return in just a moment. So stay tuned for more from Michael Murdad about soul level healing. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart, but I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back talking to Michael Murdad today about his latest book, Healing the Heart and Soul, a five-step soul-level healing process for transforming your life. And uh, we, what we did was spend that first um, segment talking a lot about what Michael's definition of the soul is. And as we said during the break, there's def- several different of the guests that I've had and I myself may have different language for the same thing, but we're all saying basically the same thing, that there's levels where we can uh, tap into that create real healing. And uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there, too. We, one of the things you say in your book, you use Buddhist statement, heaven is all around you, but you have to lift the veil to see it. And uh, I love that statement by Buddha, uh, and uh, I think it's really true. Would you say, therefore, that all healing is lifting that veil? That's exactly what it is, because... Like I said in the first segment, spirit, the spiritual part of us, the true God-like part of us, um, is already fine. It's already in heaven, living in heaven, which is here and now. But the veils have to be lifted to see it. Lifting the veils means basically lifting the humanness all the way to the spiritual, lifting the human limitations. For example, the human being is living from the time it's born. It's already starting to die. It's living in the grave or gravity-ridden world. So humanness is a death. That's why it's not very uh, optimistic, I know, in sounding, but, but um, it, is, it, is, it is a grave situation we're in, and the human condition is gravity. And so the, the veils drop down over us like gravity do. They drop down, they, and, it, so it, and it weighs heavily on us. It literally weighs us down in our bones, our muscles, but also our belief systems. So humans live that you have to die. Humans think you have to be sick. Humans think um, nothing grow, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Humans have all these limiting belief systems because they live in a grave, limited world. Well, lifting the veil, the, the other world is, is heaven and God and perfection and wholeness. So, but those are two extremes. Heaven and earth are really extremes, which is why they, they like in the Taoist concept, there's an energy battle between the two. They're, they're dancing in, a, in the best word of it, but the worst word of it would be they're at war. They're constantly churning, trying to find equilibrium. Well, separate, in between those two is the soul. And the soul is the one who chooses to lift those veils so that it can experience heaven. Instead of letting the two worlds constantly fight, meaning my spiritual self, you know, the saying that says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Well, instead of having those two parts of myself, my divine upper three chakras, my lower three chakras, fighting, me calling the lower chakras my lower self and my, you know, flawed, like my, to be ashamed and, and cursed and all that the way they do in religion, we realize it's all about the chooser. The heart is the one who decides these things. So if my soul, through healing, if my soul can see the truth of what's really here, it would only see divinity then the veils would drop, so to speak, of the, off the human self. I might still have a human existence, but the veils of judgment and hurt and old wounds would be dropped so my experience would become much more heaven-like. And we call, we call that essentially Eden, because Eden is the place of living the harmony between heaven and earth. You're still on earth, but you're living a heaven-like existence. That's not just a, um, you know, like a, a happy thought or you know, some sort of like neat fantasy. This is reality. We live, and we, and we do this in pieces. We do this in, you know, we gradually get to that. It's not like one day you suddenly went from earthly to Eden. It, for most people, it happens in pieces. Those of you, you know, like readers um, who have learned more about holistic health have taken that part of themselves closer to Eden than they previously had lived. 
if somebody learns about prosperity, then, then suddenly finances and prosperity are moving more toward an Eden-like existence than they had previously been living on Earth. So it's usually gradual, but it can be dramatic. And when you ask about that word, the, the veil, is it synonymous with, you know, healing? Yes, not only that, though, the word miracle is also synonymous. You see, we've, we've, we've um, you know, we, 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 think we're, we think we're experiencing something uh, uh, blissful, but it's all got to be turned around through healing. People are actually in denial, thinking the normal life is okay, and it isn't. So what's really happening is people are, are kind of blissfully unaware of how messed up their lives are, and that's why one of my books I call, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up, because people actually are so deluded sometimes that they're thinking that their, their common life is okay. When they realize it's not, the people around them are going to question them, saying, what are you thinking? What, what are you doing? Why are you trying to look for a better job or a better partnership or whatever? Why are you questioning your reality? They don't like it because they don't want you to stir up their, they don't want you to mess with their reality because they're deluded. We used to be crazy, now we're waking up. And so healing is synonymous with forgiveness. Healing is synonymous with miracle. It's synonymous with lifting the veils. It's synonymous with all those things. Healing means taking the old life and healing it, processing it properly, properly to say goodbye to it, and then welcoming in a new life. Remember that Healing, miracles, and so on. Miracles, any of those, they're the same, but remember, every one of them is two parts. Emptying the old, replacing with the new. Healing has never been adequate, even if it was cathartic, screaming, crying, anger release, and you felt fantastic in the past. Your old stuff will always come back if you don't replace it with something new. And that's one of the definitions of soul-level healing as opposed to just really cool, great, wonderful physical healing or emotional healing or even the, the wonderful, amazing things that we can do neurologically in our mental healing like, um, you know, EFT and uh, some techniques of, of neurological overrides. Those are great, but they're not complete healing. You're never completely healed unless your soul gets the healing. And the soul can only be healed by going through proper um, steps. The proper, like the ones we'll talk about probably after the next break, but the, um, the, 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 the five primary steps toward healing. The soul can't be healed by just remembering an old issue. The soul isn't healed just by realigning the spine. The soul has to be healed. And, and again, the soul is the one causing the spinal misalignments. The soul is the one bringing to us car accidents and so on. And I'm not trying to make us blame ourselves. I'm saying our soul is holding on to a lot of old memories and wounds, false impressions about who we are, and then it starts attracting events into our lives that, that mirror that mistaken identity. Obviously, if we're not our divine selves, then we're going to attract less than divine experiences, and that's what the soul's doing. That is, until it's healed. Right. Right. So in that same vein, uh, you talk about ending our suffering in the book, and it's the same idea of lifting that veil, although it's, it's really hard for us to wrap our heads around this idea that we could actually end our suffering. As a matter of fact, I've had people say, how could you possibly even think such a thing? We can't do that. But absolutely we can, and it has to do with lifting this veil. Is that right? That's exactly right. And, you know, lifting the veil... Um I, you know, I, I teach from a lot of different standpoints. That's why I've written books that, that seem to vary quite a bit in topics. 
because they're all really saying, they're, they're, all topics really ultimately come together. They all connect in some way, whether it's healing or spirituality or mythology or ancient civilizations or metaphysics. They all kind of connect. And, and so one of the important ones, um, I often use the metaphor of, of um, Percival and the Grail Knights, because the Grail Knights, when they're looking for the Grail, the Grail represents the healed soul. I mean, that's why the cup itself takes the shape of a, of a human being standing, standing, you know, the, the base being their feet, the stem being their legs on up, and their arms extended from their heart represent the actual um, receptacle or the vessel part of the cup. So we're the grail. Our hearts and souls are the grail. And so the, the Arthurian knights go looking for the grail, but it's, in, it's found inside, and the knight that finds the grail is named Percival, which means to pierce the veil. So since you're talking about lifting the veil, yeah, it, it isn't the king, the queen, the magician, any of the cool characters of the story that accomplish it. It's this person that is the simple one. Percival was said to be simple and, and you know, innocent. That's, again, you know, Jesus' concept. You have to be like a child to find this truth, to, to return to heaven. Because you can't go with all your preconceived identities, masks, wounds, labels, I'm a CEO, I'm a doctor, I'm a single mom. You can't, you can't find the grail with labels because they're all veils, one after another added veils. Instead, you have to say, I don't know. That's humility and surrender. I do not know who I am, but I'm willing to find out. And you learn to rediscover yourself, but done with God instead of on your own accord. Again, that's the book we've talked about. Um, you're not going crazy, you're just waking up. That book takes the same idea here, the five steps of the healing process, but instead of talking about it in context of healing our stuff and healing our lives, it's explaining how when it's time to wake up, when your life is falling apart on the outside, when your life is changing and it feels like you're going crazy, what's really needing to happen is the surrender. You have to recognize there's an issue you have to, you know, we all have to come to that place. And if not, then our lives are going to get dismantled, as I call it. So we, we become dismantled, we become empty, we become disoriented. These are the things that happen in us. Empty, disoriented, and then we must at that point learn to surrender so that we can create a new life with spirit. If we don't, then it's just going to be more and more old versions of the same old life. It's like the person who might lose a relationship it wasn't very healthy, and then they decide, well, I don't want to be alone, so they go down to the local bar and pick up a new relationship and call it a relationship. Well, it isn't. It's the same old pattern. It's the same old thing. You replace, uh, you know, you give up smoking and start eating. You give up eating and start smoking. You're replacing just a new name. It's just a new name is all it is, the person, the habit, but it's the same old cause. You have to look at what's really causing me to get into unhealthy relations, it's what is causing me to be sick what's on a soul level. When I look at the real patterns, the real inner patterns behind these things, then I can start uprooting them like a good gardening process. Stop throwing seeds down on rocky ground. Stop throwing seeds down on uh, an area of garden that has weeds in it and expect a great garden. We have to garden our souls. We have to do feng shui on our souls, not just our households. We've got to get out the old that isn't working Bring in the new, and I mean all the way to a soul level. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing some symptomatic work. I mean, go ahead and also get a chiropractic adjustment, a massage, take your aspirin when you have a headache, uh, get couples counseling, do all the things of the human physical, emotional, and intellectual nature, but do not neglect working all the way at the soul level as well. Right. Absolutely.
Yeah, we don't have much time before the breakout. I want to get started on this question at least. Why is forgiveness so important to this process of healing at the soul level? Forgiveness is an important part because forgiveness is the same as the actual process. Forgiveness is the same as healing. Forgiveness is the same as miracle, as a term or the description of what a miracle is. Um, We should clarify there's several levels of forgiveness, and some people think they just say the words and then it's done. Well, I heard about forgiveness on this radio show, so I'm going to go ahead and forgive so-and-so for hurting me. Well, that's not an event. It's a process. So you start off with thoughts about forgiveness like, well, I'm just going to forgive this person. Well, those are words. Then there's um, you cry, you have a good cry, and you talk about how much angry you are about somebody, and, um, and then scream out forgiveness. That's another level. Sometimes we ask God to, to lift our anger away. That's another level of forgiveness. And when we come back from a break, we can talk a little bit more about what true forgiveness looks like in context of healing. Absolutely. Let's do that. All right. Well, we'll be back in just a minute with more from Michael Murdad. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. Want to change your life? The New York Open Center can help. We offer hundreds of ongoing classes, workshops, and professional trainings that heal the body, nurture the spirit, and awaken your true potential. Visit opencenter.org to check out our programs in holistic health, self-development, spiritual practices, creative arts, and much more. With our wellness services, bookstore, and cafe, we're an oasis in the heart of the city. And with Open Center Online Learning, you no longer have to be in New York to take classes. Visit opencenter.org today. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And today we're talking to Michael Murdad about his book, Healing the Heart and Soul, a five-step soul-level healing process for transforming your life. And just before the break, I asked Michael uh, why forgiveness was so important to the process, and he was telling us the difference between uh, kinds of false forgiveness and true forgiveness. So I wanted to ask you to just finish that up for us, Michael. Well, thank you. Well, probably in the most humble sense, I could say this, that the the five steps that I've come up with that I define as the steps for healing, healing the heart and soul, are really nothing but forgiveness, but blown into five parts. Because people, you know, get overwhelmed with the idea of what forgiveness is. So they they think it's a word they apply. They think it's a statement. Maybe they're supposed to just tell God to take care of it for them while they're asleep. Hey, God, you know, I'm going to bed now, but uh, please make sure this forgiveness thing takes place while I'm asleep. It it isn't. It it, it takes responsibility. It takes your participation. So how can you forgive something if you haven't recognized there's a problem? So the five stages or steps are really starting off with recognizing there's a problem, accepting that there are deeper issues behind the problem, meaning deeper unhealed wounds, and, and even more so, deeper patterns. Then there's the point where you have to say, not only do I recognize and accept, I need to do something about that. I need to surrender it. Now, that's actually the emptying of the cup, back to the grail concept again, the emptying of the cup. So for healing to happen, how can anybody heal any? How could you heal a, a, a cancer if it's not being removed from the body? How do you heal uh, uh, an inflamed or, or infected tonsil if it's not removed? I'm not saying everything has to be removed. I'm just using the analogy that um, whether it's physically removed at least it has to be energetically removed, and if not that, it has to be on a soul level removed. So it, something has to be moved for a healing to take place. If you want, you know, sometimes the old clothing goes for the new clothing, the old thought systems for the new thought systems. The old basically has to go. We always must die of the old. Even if it's not always a physical removal, at the very least, on the belief system level, something's got to go. So forgiveness is is an emptying out of the old. And so we're just breaking it down into three steps, recognizing there's a problem, accepting the deeper issues behind the problem, and learning to surrender this. But the, the healing is not complete without the second part, which is the refilling of you, your soul, your cup, as it were. And that's got to come with refilling and giving thanks. Refilling with what? Well, clearly, something new, which would be what? Well, if you've had... If you've had post-trauma now because of childhood abuses, what you're going to refill with is something new. It might be, and I suggest to people to use a word or two like uh, peace and safety. Let's say if it was a trauma with abuses, safety might be, need to be one of your words. If you're dealing with prosperity issues, maybe you want love and abundance. If you're dealing with having been kind of held back a lot in your life and not able to come out and feel and be alive, maybe joy and abundance. Maybe it's uh, joy and self-worth. You find a word or two that represents God, that, that is synonymous with God, so that you're not just saying, well, I want to fill with God, when in fact your mind doesn't totally know what that is. 
try to let yourself come up with a concept of what God is and something you can feel. So you're calling in. Even a child, if you're teaching a child, um, yeah, pray to God and ask God to fill your heart. Well, a child's not good. What does that mean to a five-year-old? But if you tell the child, I want you to concentrate and fill up with peace and happiness, even a five-year-old child can wrap their mind around that. And you know what? They just filled with God without realizing it. I've had people that don't even believe in God ask about healing. I do a healing process with them. I don't have to have them use the words Jesus, Buddha, God, or whatever. If I get them just to call in a sense of peace and, and wholeness, they're already calling in God because God is peace and wholeness. I don't have to use the word, a word, that already scares them or turns them off due to you know, human abuses of such terms. Instead, we call in something we can understand to be God in our language. It's almost like a 12-step concept. God as you know it. You know, call in that presence. It doesn't have to be named what I want to name it or somebody else wants to name it. It's what feels right for you. So when you've done that, the final step is giving thanks. So a review would be, of the five steps, is that first you recognize there's a problem, you accept the deeper implications, and I'll give you an example, by the way. These can be done in a short form, a medium form, or a long form. So a short form is just a quick prayer. I don't even have to go into all the details of what this looks like. It's just saying the following. So, so any of your listeners or you yourself, anybody listening, could do the following. They simply come up with something they want to work on. That's called recognizing there's a problem. So they just, you know, what, what is it you want to listen to? Any listeners or whatever? So right now everybody's tuning in and they're thinking, well, I've got a house I can't sell, I, I've got a, a job I can't find, I've got a partnership that just broke up, or that I'm struggling with. Good. Name that. That would be recognizing there's a problem. Then hear these words along with that. Not only do I recognize there's a problem, I accept that hidden behind my problem are my unhealed wounds. This is the short form of the, of the healing process. Not only do I know there's a problem or recognize there's a problem, I accept that hidden behind it are my unhealed wounds and patterns. These are very old patterns of mine. Even if I don't know where they're coming from, I understand that this is not new. And I breathe with that. Just center into that. Recognize there's a problem. Accept that this is about old stuff. It's not what you think. It's not just current annoyances of relationship. This is old stuff. Third, and I'm choosing to surrender this to God. I'm choosing to surrender this up unconditionally to spirit. So what does and that mean when you say that? And having, well, and having surrendered it, I choose to replace it with something new, which is your presence, Father, Mother, God. Your presence as peace and joy or whatever words feel right to me. And I give thanks that this is happening now. And that is all five stages done in short prayer. It can be done in seconds, you see. But in a longer form, we would take that, and instead of just kind of moving through it one word after another, we would take time to look at what it was that's hidden behind the current issues. What kinds of issues are hidden behind? What kind of patterns? Unhealed wounds with family members, unhealed wounds with a high school friend, you know, abandonment here, betrayal there. We would learn to uproot those like weeds in the garden. That's what the longer forms are about, is doing the deeper work. And the longest form of all in doing this is, and all those short, medium, long form, those are all in the Healing the Heart and Soul book. But the, 
the longest form really is when you also take time not only to say, you know, that you're filling up with spirit in the form of love and self-worth, peace and joy and so on, but you take time to envision how that looks in your life. So it's a combination of the following. When you're refilling, you're concentrating and pulling that new presence in. Secondly, you're envisioning it happening. You're envisioning what that looks like in your life, in your health, your finances, relationships, work. And then you have to make sure your actions match. And, of course, I'll give thanks when you're done. But you must visualize, but you must also make sure your actions match. So I say to everybody, if you're calling in peace and joy, that's your new mantra, that's your, new, that's your understanding of God. God, for me, is peace and joy. That's what I want in my life. I'm calling it in. But then my actions have to match, which means how much I pay for a car has to resonate with peace and joy. Who I date has to resonate. What videos I choose to rent or watch has to resonate. My actions have to become more and more congruent with peace and joy. Then our lives, I swear, it all comes together. It's no longer like telling God to do this or God to do, or telling people to do this or do people to do that. I've got it. I'm calling in. I'm, I'm uprooting what isn't me and what isn't healthy for me. I'm calling in something new. I'm envisioning it, and I'm making sure my actions match it. That will change how I am an employer, an employee, a parent, a sibling, or whatever I am on planet Earth. It changes how I do everything. Right. So I want to go back for just a second. I interrupted you there, but I want to go back and, and, and ask about surrender. If we can give a, a, a sort of succinct answer to what is surrender because that is a concept that has been so as you uh, as you said it's been so misused by people we we really don't get it so what does that word mean well in in one regard this surrender is the simplest of all the steps in in one regard and that is surrender doesn't have to be too drawn out or too intellectualized because even just my words that i'm choosing to give this up my words my my intention to say here's how i was feeling I'm willing to surrender that to you, God. Just the very idea is in itself a complete one. How it might look to elaborate on it, however, sometimes surrendering means, sometimes surrender is accompanied not only with my intention and words, sometimes it comes with some tears of regret, remorse, sadness, loss. Sometimes it comes out in the form of having to do some little bit of anger release before a person can actually feel like they've surrendered something. So maybe, maybe therapeutically they're, they're uh, beating on a pillow or, or kicking on a mat or bed or something. Sometimes the surrender is too premature just to pop the words out and say, well, now that I realize my current crisis is caused from this old pattern of, of, of neglect or hurt from so-and-so and so-and-so, and I'm just going to give it to God, sometimes it's more therapeutic before you jump to that to let it become visceral, allow yourself to cry a bit, be held if that's what's appropriate for your right, your, your, between you and your healer, kick and scream, whatever you need to do to move some of that energy instead of just an intellectual um, surrendering it. Let yourself do it viscerally. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, well, we'll be back with our last segment with Michael Murdad in just a few minutes, so stay tuned for that. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. 
The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for our final segment with Michael Murdad talking today about his new book, Healing the Heart and Soul, a five-step soul-level healing process for transforming your life, a book that not only uh, is for people who want to be healed, but also a very detailed book for the healer as well. Um, And, Michael, if you will, I'd like for you to just sort of tell the listening audience how they might get in touch with you, any events you got coming up, anything like that that will help the listening audience know more about you. Thank you. Yeah, the the best way to contact me um, would be through my website. That's www.grail, like the Holy Grail, productions.com. So it's grailproductions.com. Um, that's a way to order books. That's a way to see my itinerary, like what town I'm in at any given time. Um, also read articles, what, you know, whatever they'd like to do. A contact, the email would be on their phone of the offices on there. So it's a good, you know, good... As they say, the homepage, it's a good network uh, as to ways to find, read me or find out where I'm at, what shows I'm on, like your show and so on, because there's a nice itinerary on there as well. Yeah. And when you do your work, when you go around speaking to people all over the country, all over the world, actually, uh, you also provide healing sessions as well. Is that correct? Yes. Um, pretty much every day, my daytime hours are filled with uh, private sessions, individual sessions which involve intuitive reads with people, guidance, life guidance, and also healing, emotional healing, physical healing work, you know, and so on. But that's throughout most days. And sometimes I do the phone sessions as well, so that's kind of sprinkled in throughout there. So my daytimes are usually done like that. And evenings are often filled with evening lectures wherever I may be, and weekends typically with bigger, you know, workshops. And then a few times a year I'm doing five-day intensives, 
In fact, I, I have up in the north of Seattle this next weekend, not this coming, uh, let's see, where are we now? Yeah, a week, about a week and a half away um, is my Living Mastery Intensive, so I've got that coming up. And I, I do a few workshops like that per year, and then once a year I also do uh, like sacred sites trips to some sacred place. It could be, it's been Brazil before, it's been, um, and this year we're going to Scotland and, uh, Scotland and England, that'll be like in September. So we've got that, you know, kind of on the, on the back burner. It's, it's, it's coming our way soon in a couple of months. And, um, you know, several times a year I also do conferences and so forth. I'll be doing a really big conference in Colorado, the Celebrations Fair, which is, I think, the nation's biggest New Age kind of expo. And that's, uh, I'll be the keynote speaker in that in, um, I think that's the beginning of, uh, I think that's maybe in the beginning of September. And then the Sacred Sites comes a couple weeks after that. So, okay. yeah, there's all kinds of places uh, that people can find out where I'm at and what I'm doing. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I want to talk just for a few minutes. We don't have a whole lot of time during this segment, but I want to talk just for a few minutes about one of the questions that I get, and I know you get, and you've addressed in the book very well, about how does a healer deal with the idea that they've provided a healing for someone and yet they can't see that the healing is actually working. Um, you've said that all well, true healing is certain, so I want to talk about that for a minute. Well, anytime you're healing on a soul level, it is certain. When you've accessed something on a soul level and you have lifted a burden out of someone's soul in any way, shape, or form, whatever your technique, your method, counseling, psychotherapy, body work, energy work, but as long as it's reached the soul level, I mean, if... If you simply have, have bumped your knee on something and I come over and rub it and say, how does that, you know, is that better? doesn't mean we reach the soul level. It's more, in, more likely if you say, God, that's the you know, second time I've whacked that knee in two days. And I say, well, let's sit with that for a minute. And we start looking at the deeper issues behind why you're hurting yourself lately or why something is happening or why you can't sell that boat or whatever's going on. When we track it, I call it tracking. When I help you, when we track it back, and look at the core issues behind why such and such is or isn't happening. Now you're moving stuff on a soul level, and you can rest assured it's, it's happening. It's working. You can't do healing on a soul level and it not be working or effective. So we all have to learn if we are reaching that level, we can be confident that even if the symptoms externally don't shift immediately, so you whacked your knee, it's hurting, and I have you do some tracking. We do some of the five steps to healing it, but there's still some pain on the knee. What happens is healers often think to themselves, oh, my goodness, maybe I should try something else, do something else. Maybe I'm not doing it right. And, of course, a lot of them wonder if they're even effective at all. There's a lot of every counselor and doctor who has a conscience is going to wonder eventually if they're as good as they hoped they were because somebody didn't get fixed just right. So in one regard, it's positive because it means you have a conscience rather than just I don't care about you, whether you heal or not, as long as you pay me, right? We'd love to have that conscience, but the conscience goes a little too far when it makes you doubt that you're effective at all. If you've done your work and you've taken a person inside the soul and they've had their epiphanies and so on, let it be. It may take time for the, for the healing to manifest or show itself. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's instantaneous. But I've had people come to me and we do work, and the person might come to me and say, well, I'm having difficulties with my partner or my child. The work we've done in the room itself was so effective that instantaneously, when they went home, their parent, their child, whoever they were struggling with, their partner, is absolutely a different person. There is an 
an immediate shift, not just in the person who had the session, but even with the people they were, that were <clears throat> related to the session. I've had employees come to me, meaning people I've met <clears throat> who were struggling with their bosses. <clears throat> and then we did some work. When they went back to work on Monday, the boss was transferred, the boss moved on, the boss quit, or the boss was uh, suddenly a new and nicer person. So healing can be not only instantaneous, but far-reaching, beyond time and space. I've had people heal clearly with uploading healing into their genetic family, you know, uh, for the future as well as in the past, because healing has no, because healing is the same as miraculous, it has no limits of time and space. Mm-hmm. So healing, we can rest assured that when we're putting our heart and soul and good intention into healing, be good, be, be cool with yourself that, that it's happening. And, and if you're going to doubt it, then that's important for you to recognize that if you're going to doubt your effectiveness, now is a good opportunity for you to recognize your own need for healing. You now have, you're now showing us you need to do some soul-level healing on your self-doubts. So it's kind of cool because even when we run into those moments when we're doubting how well we've done for others, if you're going to obsess on that, then clearly it's, it's a sign that you need some healing yourself. That's not a bad thing. It just means there's another piece for you to uproot, heal. Now you're upgraded to the next level of being a great healer. Right, right, right. Okay, so the idea here is uh, from your book is really holistic in its nature. We heal ourselves, we heal others, we uh, then we heal ourselves, and then we heal others, and then we heal ourselves, and then we heal others. And every time we we interact with spirit, we're lifting the veil. And every time we uh, re- see ourselves as whole, we're lifting that veil. That's right. When we're healed, we're not healed alone, and when we heal others, we're also included. Healing is, is all-encompassing and holistic in ways people don't even know. It's not just... Holistic doesn't just mean, well, instead of just doing body work for a headache, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use herbs, so that's holistic. That's not... Holistic in the greatest sense means everything is involved. That means not only should I work on my physical aches, but do them holistically, look at the deeper emotional implications, and eventually deeper and deeper to the greatest of holistic means all the way to the, to the, the whole self, which is your soul. So we heal on that level. But at that point, I, I want to add, even though I'm teaching people how to heal on a soul level and facilitating that, you know, the book is to provide people with the means to do so, so they don't have to wait till I come to their town. It's like, look, it's right there. The book's 15 bucks. You can have the whole process right in that book, you know. So I, I want to make it accessible. But when people are healing on a soul level, it doesn't mean we don't also use surgeries or, or, or body rubs or whatever else, you know, we need at the time. You know, so it's it's all about, you know, it's, it's, it's like be patient, you know. Sometimes you need to do, um, you know, add the massage on the shoulders along with the soul level healing. But this time when you've done some healing on the soul, then the difference is, it's not as much that I need the massage to make my ache go away. It's I'm welcoming it in because it's a wonderfully, beautifully added part to my soul level healing. Because my soul level healing ends with me with a greater level of love and self-worth. And now I ask myself, should I go and get a massage or a chiropractic adjustment or a counseling session? Well, I ask myself, should I or shouldn't I? It's based on does that resonate with love and self-worth? And in fact, it does. So I will still incorporate normal, traditional other means for my healing in my soul-level healing. It's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I don't want to do them instead of soul-level healing because then I've actually fallen short of getting all the way to the core of what's happening. And the word core is the same as heart 
and the same as soul. So to get to the real core of anything, you got to get to the soul of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us today. We really have enjoyed talking with you, and I'm sure that our listening audience has benefited from this. And please go out and buy Healing the Heart and Soul, a five-step soul-level healing process for transforming your life, and learn more about it. And Michael won't have to come to your town. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show again. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. I enjoyed it very much. And next week, uh, I'm going to be being interviewed on Peter Tong's show, which is just before this show at 12 o'clock Pacific time and 3 o'clock Eastern time. And you, so you can hear me there. And then I'll be doing my own show again. And we'll be talking about the law of attraction. We'll be talking about the soul's answer, or as Michael would have put it today, the spirit's answer to why the law of attraction isn't working. We need to talk about that and what, how we might need to revise our understanding of that law to match what the, the soul or the spirit can actually do. So stay tuned for next week and tune in at, to, to Peter Tong's show as well. And uh, I'll be looking to, forward to talking to you on both times next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.